Welcome in one and all to the Sports and the World podcast. I am Ladarius, and I know there's a lot of, you know, the football's getting ramped up, but I want to talk some baseball for the longest time, and I couldn't think of anybody else better to talk baseball with. It's with my friend Francisco Castro. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing well. I do. I'm doing well. I do appreciate the uh, the kind words. How have you been? I've been. I've been good. You know, I've been trying to. I've been watching sports. I've been tr- yeah. watching too much. I, I don't know. Like, I try to give myself a day off, but <clears throat> we we all know how that works out. But but so let's let's just jump right into it. Let's talk about mm-hmm. MLB trade deadline round. You know. It's a month, of, and let's just talk about. Let's just jump in and talk about Juan Soto. We're going to talk about other situations, but I want to jump with this Juan Soto situation, and essentially turning down a very lucrative contract. To, needless to say, for the Nationals. But I'm just curious, and we talked about this before we came on the air. If you're a team in the market for a for Soto, from a farm system perspective. How much are we talking that a team has to be willing to give up? Um, well, I mean, just and like, I, by all means, I am not an expert in any of this, yeah, but absolutely, kind of yeah. just, just kind of like you know, from what I've been able to see here, is just uh, their asking price is going to be top prospects, uh, several top prospects, and then um, they want several young major league players or major league ready players, basically. So they want like young talent. They also want talent that's really good that they can, you know, reload their whole farm system with. So um, they're going to ask for top top prospects and then obviously young players as well. So they're going to they're going to be getting up. It's probably going to be one of the biggest deals, you know, <laughs> we've seen in a while. And he's young, you know, he's he's a young guy still. He's I mean not even in his prime yet. Um, I think when he won the World Series, I think he was. I think he turned 21, like maybe halfway through the World Series or something like that. But I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a uh, they're going to have to give up a lot just to get him. That's for sure. Yeah, and, and it's super interesting because obviously, you know, to to your point, and I guess this is a question that if you're, I always ask, no matter the sport, what are you willing to give up to get a superstar yeah. talent like Soto? Because we've we've seen in the past, we've seen. We've seen teams give up essentially their farm system. Yeah. Maybe not to the degree we may see with Soto. But I think it kind of leads me to this is that if if you're a team in the market for for Soto, is there any trepidation or any hesitation to make the deal? Because you know somewhere down the road he's gonna want that long term deal. And you're kind of out of prospect. So to me, it kind of feels like it's a double-edged situation where he's going to want that, you know, his agent is Scott Boris. And I always tell people that. It's like, yeah. look who his agent is. And yeah. look, at, look at that deal Chris Bryant got. Like, you know, I, I just say, look at countless examples of Scott Boris' contracts. Mm-hmm. He's going to get he's going to get the contract. He's going to get the bag for sure. Yeah. I think and, I think heading into it though, I think he's I think any team that trades for him, they're gonna trade for him with the intention of, of signing him. So they'll probably stock to Scott Boris, uh yeah, Boris and like, hey, look, if we're training for him, like what is his interest in staying here long term? 
um, like they'll trade for him and then they'll they'll sign up to a longer contract. I don't think they're going to trade up, trade, give up their whole farm system and then watch him just walk away in, in two or three years or two and a half years, whatever he has left on his on his contract. Um, so if they're they're trading for him, they're trading with the idea to sign him. Um, and I don't think they're going to trade for him unless they have kind of the, they're going to put their feelers out. You know what I'm saying? Like they're going to, they're going to make sure that he's interested in staying there long-term. Otherwise I don't, I don't think they're really going to do that. And there's not very many teams that are willing to do that. I was just looking earlier. I see that I saw someone had tweeted out that the Padres were kind of, uh, um, in serious talks with the nationals for a Juan Soto trade. And like, they have a lot of young talent on that team. I mean, if you can imagine Tatis and Soto on the same team with Machado, like it's they, that 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 would give them a huge advantage, you know, heading to the postseason. But then what do you got to give up? You know, you got to give up so much talent. So what's what's the deal? And I've always been a person like I've always believed like I don't care. And I, I love prospects out of the minor leagues. Uh, like we can talk about my show if you want later. But like I interview minor leaguers all over baseball. But I still have this same thought of I would rather trade a minor leaguer that I don't know anything about for a major leaguer who I know a lot about. And Soto is one of the best players in baseball, and he's young. He's going to be one of the best players in baseball for the next five, six, seven, eight years. When he's, he think he's, what, 23 or something right now? You give him a 10-year contract, he'll be 33. He will get another contract after <laughs> after this one's over, you know, unless they give him, like, a 15-year deal or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, like, I, but, but with that being said, when you're giving up so many prospects, like it's just you have to really weigh that balance of um, is there someone else you could trade for that maybe will not be to that level, but maybe will give you enough to kind of make that postseason run that won't give that won't cost as many prospects. You know what I'm saying? Uh, there's teams that are going to be ready to trade players. I mean, maybe you can find somebody who's a free agent after this year and do a, you know, not, not have to give up as many people. To get him back or to ever get you know to get that player back whatever um it just depends on and every team's different there's like four or five teams that i can even imagine trading for, for soto and paying him the money um the padres are funny because i remember just like five years ago the padres were one of the laughing stocks of baseball they're like mm -hmm. and then they sign machado and they're like oh wait are, are, the, are the padres for real you <laughs> know and then they get he's <laughs> and they sign him to a big deal and they're, they're like okay the padres were a small market team just three four years ago now they're just, spending money everywhere which is great to see i love it i wish you know my team as a kid the a's i wish they would just spend like a sliver of what the padres are spending but there's no chance for that but uh anyway yeah so i i uh all that to say like i mean it's just gonna be a lot to get up get him and it's just what you're willing to trade and willing to give up because you're gonna empty uh, your farm system to get him yeah and and to your point and as i was listening you know, you did you mentioned the Padres, which I think to your point, it goes to show you. I think like ba baseball is the one sport where you could be left a laughing stock for a couple of years, and then and then you just in, just put an influx of money, go out there, let's get Machado a deal, let's get Tatis a deal, and for them to even be remotely in the conversation for Soto, mm -hmm. it's I don't want to say it's weird, but in a way, if you would have asked me that three, you know. Let's go back three, four years ago. Mm -hmm. and you would have said teams who had been a market for a one solo type player. Like I've been like, well, the Padres are not. I wouldn't even put them, like yeah. they're not even the top fifteen. Like it's it, it it goes to show you just how you know when you invest into a team, mm -hmm. and to kind of stick 
they kind of stick with the, you know, with the, I guess the minor league slash major league kind of, one of the things that, you know, you mentioned is that, you you know, you interview a lot of mm-hmm. minor leaguers. Yeah. Which I think essentially future of the league. Sure. In, in more ways. And and one of the questions that I did have, and then I have a, I have a follow-up after, sure. is, is that when you're certain teams, when you talk to these players, do what's the like? Let's just let's use the let's use your A's as an example. Mm-hmm. A team that's essentially I don't want to say it's full of, you know, farm players. You know, they're they're, they're professionals by name. Mm-hmm. But when you when you're an organization like the A's or any other team, when do you know to kind of pull? You know, to kind of be like, okay. Let's instead of giving away our farm system, let's invest to the farm system. And I'm very curious into into the mindset of when do do you feel personally as, as interviewing them? When do you mm-hmm. feel that okay that even certain teams are ready to kind of go? You know what? Let's just invest in our prospects and coming in a lot of prospects and it's and, and something could pan out and you can tell who's going to make it or not so i'm just very curious on oh okay i'm gonna i'm gonna rephrase your question just to make sure i have it correct because i don't sure, want to answer are, are you are you asking me like when does an individual prospect know that a team is invested in that specific prospect yes or yes, just yes. like all prospects in general for that specific well, it, it, it's it's kind of both it's, <clears throat> it's kind of a twofold question Okay, I'll answer. I'll answer this, and because I don't know how much you know about the minors, but there's a lot of politics that go into the minors. Uh, I ha- I've had guys on my show, um, great baseball players. Uh, they were AAA All Stars. They never made it to the show because um, they were drafted higher, and the team wanted to really push their first rounders and second rounders and third rounders through the system. So they would overlook these guys who are drafted maybe in the 20th round or the 21st round who were just grinding and performing so well, but they would just not promote them to the majors or whatever it may be because they really they don't want to look bad, right? If you draft a guy in the second round or first round, um, you want to put everything, you want to give them every single chance to show that, you know, you don't want to look like a, a dummy for picking that person, right? So there's that whole aspect. And I've talked to guys who like, been near tears saying like i did every single thing that i could do and i still couldn't make it to the big leagues because they just weren't invested in him and at a certain point they kind of know um when they're not invested in them now i've now i have i've had taught guys who've been drafted very high i've talked to top prospects for different teams um and they don't ever i've never been told that team is invested in them um but they just kind of have that idea a uh, good example is, um, uh, oh, you mentioned the A's, but I'm, I'm a big Brewers fan too, since I live here in yeah. Wisconsin now. Uh, one of the Brewers' top prospects, Antoine Kelly, uh, good friend of mine now, like me, he and I will game, we'll play Fortnite together. Uh, he was just, he was just in the Futures game, and he's going to be a stud, drafted in the second round. They're going to give him every opportunity to succeed. I mean, and he knows it. I know it too, and like I kind of joke about it with him a little bit. But uh, it's just it's just the way it is. And like, I mean, I've, I've I don't know if you've, if you've heard this, but there's some guys who are drafted to play in the majors. And there, there are some guys who teams draft to get those guys ready to be in the majors. So they'll draft someone in the top 10. And then, in the, uh, you know, further down, they'll draft some guys to kind of fill the roster for the minor leagues. 
they don't ever have intentions of promoting them. Some do. Some make it through. Like, it's incredible, the stories you hear. Like, uh, a guy I've had on a couple weeks ago, um, Jared Koenig. He was an indie ball, got signed by the, the A's. Uh, he was not a – he was not a – he wasn't drafted. He was undrafted. Went to indie ball. They signed him. He ended up making his major league debut this season. Like, those are stories like that where you hear that, you're like, wow, that's incredible. Um, but then there's so many other stories where they're not. But, like, to answer your question, they don't ever really tell me that they're, like, been invested in. But I've had players tell me that they weren't invested in, if that makes sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Because one of the things about baseball, baseball, it just, it's just the one sport. You know, the old One of the older sports. It just feels like it's it's archaic and still some realities. And then and and a lot of realities. And exactly. And when you brought the, the minor league, you know, I, I to a certain degree, I knew there was a, a, a modicum of politics, but mm-hmm. not to the degree that, that you alluded to, which, which which I do find interesting because I do kind of feel that what makes baseball different from um, uh, from football, you know, even basketball, it's like from a drafting perspective, mm-hmm. it's like in the NFL, if you're drafting first, second round, even third. You know, you kind of expect them to a make the team, to mm. e potentially either start week one or, you know, potentially have a you know have a role in you know offense or defense. Yeah. Like anything below that, you know, they're a, they're simply trying to make the team, mm-hmm. and they're on practice squad. Yeah. You know, j- you know, just kind of like okay, they're there because we know we're there. And and the thing with baseball and and it kind of kind of ties me into kind of shifting back is is that. When I look at teams who essentially look look at how, how teams view their farm systems to me matter, because it's not only is your future there, it's just how do you perceive your prospects? Because because like going back to the Soto deal, like to your point, I'd rather give up a guy that I know production. I know mm-hmm. I don't have to, you know, Billy Bean it. I don't have to be like okay, you know, I know what they are. Yeah, you don't have to project what the possibility is going to be. You know from, like, there's a there's a, a record, a history of the last three, four seasons of the talent that he is, and he's young. Right, and, and I think that's what makes it much more – I think his age is important, too. Mm-hmm. And, and this is one of the things that I always talk about. I think what I talked about before the show, I'll just talk about here and get your thoughts, mm-hmm. is, is that when I saw people were, were upset that he turned down the Nats deal, I, I was – People were like, oh, they were upset. But no, I I understand why he did it. Because because I looked into it and I said, well, the length of his contract would have carried him, I believe, to like the age 38 season, I believe. It was, I think it was like a 15-year deal. His problem was, and I felt even with Scott Forrest was, he wants a Mike Trout-esque deal. And Mike Trout got his deal when he was, I believe, like 26 was three years older, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Around that age, yeah. Yeah, somewhere in the yeah, in the neighborhood. And essentially he just wants more AAV, which if you're I get it. People are like, well he should be happy. I'm like, this is the problem I have. It's just like I'd rather I'd rather give a guy Soto 15 years because I know maybe that maybe his last his first you know his, his last big contract but you, you never know. He may try to stick it out two more years, but he's not going to make the money he did in the first 15 years. But the tricky thing about, to me, with baseball contracts, it's always the age. Because, you know, the, even at the production level they are. Like, this, my problem was, and I like Albert Pujols a lot. 
mm-hmm. even though he obliterated my code. But we're not going to get into that. We're not mm-hmm. revisionist history. We're not going to get into that. That's right. <laughs> you know, when he signed his deal with the Angels, and at the time he made the deal, I said, you're asking a guy like Pujols to be Pujols, to be prime Pujols for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot and that's a lot of, and that's a big ask, even from Albert Pujols, because of the money that's tied to him. Mm-hmm. And and to me, and I guess they'll tie into my question is, to your point, a team that does trade for Soto will get it in the prospects and all of that. But to me, I just kind of feel as though when we talk about Soto, we talk about the prospect. I think when we talk about Soto's contract, we have to talk about, like, People, I think people who just who who to me, kind of guffawed at the idea he would turn down that contract, generational money. To me, in my opinion, I'll get yours. I think he's looking at it as, listen, he's seeing the money that guys like Bryce Harper's making, the guy like like Trout, heck, Anthony Rendon. We can talk about even with the Angels, you know. He's seeing that money and goes, well, A, I'm younger than those guys. And B, I want to make more than those guys. And to me, I, I, I to your point, and like I said, I know what I'm getting from some Soto, given the money. And I'm just curious to get your thoughts on, you know, twofold, people who probably had comments about Soto's contracts and the importance of the length of the contract and, and the money, obviously, but how important the length of a major league baseball contract is. Uh, so for, to your point about Soto not wanting to be in, in Washington, it could be just the fact that he didn't want to play in, in Washington. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he there's yeah. so many other nicer places to, to, to play, to live. And there's uh-huh. talent, right? If he goes to the Padres, he's going to play with Tatis Machado. Like they have a really good pitching staff. They have a really good manager in Bob Melvin. Uh, mm-hmm. If he goes to the, the Dodgers, he'll be in the postseason guaranteed almost like every season. And uh, same with, you know, some of these clubs that want to trade for him. He's probably looking at Washington like, like all right, we we might be a couple years away from competing. Um, and he might want to win now. So I don't blame him for maybe wanting to leave that situation. I don't know if it was necessarily the money. Because if there was a team like the Dodgers who offered him that, there's a good chance he might have taken it. Uh, just giving this because it 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 changes where you're playing, right? Like, I mean, yeah. would you rather have more money? And some people are like this, though. More money, he's saying. And you, I feel like sometimes you'll see this in football. Like, you took how much money to play for the Jags? You know, you could have took yeah. less and play for like Tom Brady and in the in the Bucks. You know, stuff like that. But I mean, I feel like the, the city and the location probably has a lot to do with it. And baseball players talk, right? I mean, I'm sure he's talking to some of his friends or other players around the league, and they're probably like, "Hey, look, man." you get traded over here. Like we can make a serious run for the next couple of years. Like we could be like dynamic. Uh, so that also is a, you know, plays into it. And people who talk about him say no to the deal. Like that's, I, I don't know if it was necessarily all about the money. I mean, he could have like, when you listen to how the nationals didn't even get him a plane ride to yeah, the, uh, yeah. the also game. There's always some sort of bad, there's obviously some sort of bad blood there. Right. Yeah. Um, so who knows what that, what that is. But I mean, I, I, I personally, I would rather do short term, shorter term deals with more money because I don't like paying out these big contracts, but I'm not a GM. So it doesn't sound my money. Right. I mean, you look yeah. at the Pujols deal, that kind of blown, blew up in their face. You look at 
that same year they signed Jared Weaver, he was okay. But they're, the Angels, Angels were supposed, supposed to be like the next big thing, right? They were parading Pujols and Jared Weaver and uh, Wilson. I can't remember who, who else they had. And then they made the postseason once since then. And that's been 10 years now. So it doesn't matter. And then they just signed Rendon to a big contract. And they're still up under 500. They have Shohei Otani. And I cannot wait to see where he goes because there's no way he's staying in, in L.A. Because they yeah. just... It's just that's gonna be a whole nother deal. Um, so it, it, it just, I'm not a big fan of these huge contracts. Um, like I know he's not really in baseball right now, he's kind of you know, um, looked down upon it for good reason. But Trevor Bauer, he did a I think it was a two year, but a lot of money. So he said, All right, I'm gonna bet on myself, I'm gonna get a ton of money, only play for two years. In two years, I'm gonna do another contract for maybe a couple of years. That way he can kind of do the LeBron James thing where he's bouncing around from city to city. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I would, I don't know why, but I feel like that then, but then again, like you, you're not guaranteed to get paid for long-term. Obviously there's like that stability when you have a 15 year contract and baseball contracts are guaranteed. Right. So like he gets hurt, but he's going to get paid. Right. Uh, so it's, it's a whole bunch of different things kind of going into it, but whoever gets him is going to get a heck of a player. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and to if, it's, point, if it's the Padres, that's going to be scary. Yeah. When you think of that lineup, when you think of Tatis, and you think of – and then you throw in Soto. What I, what I always say is this. It's a philosophy I've always had is that, you know, you if they have a bat, you can find a place for them. Because people – because exactly. sometimes people say, oh, where is he going to play? <laughs> Listen. DH him. I don't care. <laughs> exactly. I, I don't care where he goes. We know he's going to be in the lineup, I, because because it's it's amazing to me. And and you said something that's you touched on something that's very important is when you talked about the contracts and and essentially taking those bet on yourself contracts because, like I said, you know there's to me the more I think about it, he just doesn't want to be in Washington. And and like to be fair, like if someone told you that this team won a World Series. You know, like how you would say, oh, they won a World Series like 10 years ago? No. <laughs> Three years like, ago or something. Not even. Yeah, like, yeah, we're talking, about, we're talking about less than five years ago. This team was was lifting the trophy and won the World And then now here we are, worst team in baseball, mm-hmm. or at least the worst team in the National League, you know, without question. And, and to your point, for so I think you do take less money in better situations. It's like mm-hmm. with any job, any you you're willing to take, you're willing to take a pay cut because you're getting something in return that's maybe not of monetary value. Yeah, like I mean, maybe just uh, like mental, even the mental side. Like you're like if you talk about like working stuff, like I would. There's some people who would take a pay cut to work somewhere where they they feel um, like it's a better working situation, and then some people are more all about the money. And you know what? Good for him if he if he is 100 percent about the money. Good for him. He deserves the bag. He's one of the best players in baseball. Kudos to him for for you know knowing what his worth is, um, and that's just kind of what how how it goes. Yeah, I, I think and, and to your point, it, it just kind of feels like those who, who talk about it, like listen, and like you mentioned Jacksonville, which is a perfect example because it, it, you know people are like oh well they have the most money in the league. Yeah, there's a reason. Yeah, terrible teams tend to have the most money. Because they don't invest in the team, they're, 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 yeah. you know, it's it's, you know, like well, why that's you know, why are other teams so high over the capital luxury tax? Why are they winning? Well, there's a reason for that, because mm-hmm. to them, there's no price tag. To you know, we'll 
you know, to shift the shift back into baseball. Listen, you look at the Yankees, you look at the Mets, you look at the guys who are the Dodgers. There's they'll spend the money, and and they know that, you know, potentially again a player like they'll players will take pay cuts. I I call it in the NBA. I used to call it the LeBron effect, and in the and in the NFL, he's called the Brady effect. Yeah, because people will take pay cuts because they know they're going to compete for a championship. Yeah, and despite having their market value be through the you know maybe through the roof, but some players chase championships, some chase money. Everybody mm-hmm. has different ambitions. It's everybody does not go into the same thing for the same reasons. And and to your point, if Soto wants to hire AAV, mm-hmm. good on him. Yeah. I'm not going to knock it because he's 23, and there's a highly, there's a very significant chance he's going to keep up with that same production from for at least a good part of that contract. So you're going to get your money's worth, you know, instead of that Al Pujols deal, which to me, and I said it, I wasn't trying to be spiteful, no, being a spiteful right. Cubs fan. I said I would not give out that deal, and it's, it has nothing to do with Pujols as a talent. He's a Hall of Fame talent, but here's the problem. Yeah. You're expecting that you that contract. You're expecting that guy to be that way at age forty, and essentially there was yeah. The, but the thing is, with and not to cut you off, but back in the day, baseball contracts were given out based on what you did. So that yeah. Albert Pujols deal was like, okay, he was a uh, his whole career in, in St. Louis was Hall of Fame worthy just in itself. All right, yeah. he's you know we're paying him from what he did. Now baseball has sort of shifted to where they're not paying these contracts anymore, uh, except for these younger talents, and you see teams getting their their younger players and signing them to bigger long-term deals earlier to kind of avoid all that. Like you don't see these, like a 32 year old back in the 2010, 2011 could get like a a six, seven, eight year contract. That's, that doesn't happen anymore. That's they're pretty much past their prime and you know, baseball terms. Um, Yeah. Now it's not based on what they're doing. It's based on what they're going to do. But then again, Soto's that's what that makes it so special about him that he's already shown three, four years of just being, one of the best players in baseball. And if you're the Nationals, you got to be okay with the fact that you already won a World Series. Like, if you think about when they lost Bryce Harper, they didn't win a World Series, but they were in the postseason several, almost every year with him. They never mm-hmm. made it to the World Series. So next, he leaves. Soto's same thing. Like, you know, they, uh, they, they, uh, big, big talent on the team. They actually make it to the World Series and they win the World Series. So at the end of the day, you can say, look, we, we had a really good player on our team and we won the World Series. Um, obviously they want to keep him, but teams that, you know, it's, it makes it feel, it doesn't sting as much knowing that, Hey, we, you know, we did utilize his talents enough to get a world series. Like when you like, like you said, Bryce Harper, when they lost him, um, they didn't, they didn't have a world series with him. Yeah. And, 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 and to your point there, and, and you mentioned something like back, how contracts were mm-hmm. in the difference between, because I, I, you know, I think of a guy like Kevin Brown who, I think he got the deal from I want to say from the Yankees. I, I'm not Yankees or the Dodgers. I can't remember which team gave him the bigger the big contract. But like even young me was looking like, oh yeah, it was a great deal because of what he did. Yeah. And and nowadays to your point, to your point, it's a very tectonic shift. And now teams, you know th- that to me, what makes the larger deals, you know, interesting to me now is because of the mindset. It's because like, listen, yeah, you're going to give Soto because you have that three, four years on, you know, that production. You'll give it to him. 
and you're willing and you're willing to unload top prospects. We're not talking middle tier guys. You're talking about guys, general, you know, but you know, potential generational talent in your farm system. But to your point, you don't know that you drafted them to be that, but you don't know that. So, but you know, hey, I know what that Soto guy could do, and I'll ship him. And that's what's amazing to me is is that. Mm-hmm. And before we shift on, I'll just say this about Soto. And we move on. Yeah. Is is that? I think the biggest takeaway from all of this is is it's not the contract. I think it's it's important for people to see is that when you look at baseball and we know what well, baseball has all this money, but to me, when I look at the Soto situation, it goes to show you if Soto was willing to turn down that type of money. Yeah. It goes to show you that maybe to your point, if the Dodgers, the if any other team, the any other team offered that, he'd take it because he knows he's guaranteed a of the postseason. And and you have Juan Soto in your lineup, you you might have a chance to win another 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 championship in your career, multiple championships, and and it's amazing to me, where people and like to your point, like you have the Jacksonville Jaguars of the world, like there's a reason why they have so much cap money in year after year is because they're not great, <laughs> terrible teams don't tend to have a lot of money yeah, for no, a reason. Not their coach either. Yeah, exactly. Like there's a reason why. Oh yeah, we have all this money. We gotta, you know, we had everybody. Like yeah, there, there's a reason why that didn't work. There's a reason why it didn't work. And and I think with Soto, whichever team gets Soto, I think I do believe you have to put them in that conversation. Like okay, that's a World Series team, because Soto's the type of player where when we talk about one player away, we're talking about Juan Soto. Like if you're missing that big bat in your lineup, that's the guy. Just yeah. like what the Yankees traded for Andrew Benatendi, I believe, for the Royals. Mm-hmm. And the Yankees said, well, <laughs> that kind of lets me know that well, they're kind of off the Soto market. Maybe. I don't know how Brian Cat, like, I, I think they got Benatendi, like, okay, this is, we're not willing to give up the boat just yet. So, so shifting from talking all the Juan Soto talk, mm-hmm. you know, we always, we have to do it. It's kind of give our predictions because, like you, yeah. <clears throat> I've watched, I've watched, you know, baseball. I, I try, and like I said, as a Cubs fan, to me, I that that's a whole nother episode in itself. Yeah. But, but we always like to give predictions in terms of, you know, who who do we see now? Like we we, we don't necessarily give a team, mm-hmm. but who are some teams where you can say right now, even no matter what move they make during the deadline, that we can definitively say this is a World Series-esque type team. Yeah. Um, Well, I can tell you right off the bat who I think is going to win the World Series or who I think is going to be in the World Series. Uh, I think the Mets have a really good chance. Uh, I'm just pulling up the standings real quick. Hold on. Give me a second here so I can get a Mm -hmm. good, better um, look on how everything is standing right now. But... Off, off the top, like the Mets look so good. I mean, they just swept the Yankees. I mean, the Yankees have been one of the better teams in baseball, um, <clears throat> and the Yankees are sixty-six and thirty-three. Um, out of the East, uh, I mean, maybe Toronto somehow makes some noise, but I mean, I the Yankees and the in the AL look pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's. I, I think I think at the end of the day, it's going to be Yankees and in Houston, um, and I and. The, 
as much as I hate the Astros, I still think Houston is going to be in the World Series because I don't see a team. I, I just feel like they always get to the postseason and they just they just do so well in the postseason. They have so many guys on that team who have been there before. Uh, Justin Verlander looks like he's like prime Justin Verlander again, although he's just came off missing two years or whatever of baseball. Like it's just, it's incredible what he's doing right now. Uh, so coming out of the AL, like for me, it's Houston and and uh, and in New York, the Yankees. Um, there are some teams that may somehow compete. I mean, Seattle's kind of sexy, um, but I mean, I don't I don't really see any other team kind of kind of coming out of AL. The NL, like I mean, the Mets can win it. <laughs> the 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 Braves are only uh, three games back of the Mets. Like, there's a good chance they get hot, and they obviously we saw what they can do. Um, the Brewers, I mean, they, they have really good pitching, but they just don't have offense. And it's, I mean, they're, they're doing better this season than last year, but they don't really have enough consistent, uh, bats. Uh, I think they're going to be uh, a team that really needs to pick up some bat, a, a big bat or a couple consistent, at ba- uh, bats during, uh, during the trade deadline coming up in a couple of days. Um, yeah, I, I mean, for me, it's just the Dodgers, they look so good too. So I think it's going to be both New York teams, Houston and, 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 and the, in the Dodgers, like those are the four teams who I think are really going to make a push. Um, but you, you never know, which is why I love baseball. If you told me last year, the Braves were going to win the world series, I would have laughed at you. I think they get yeah. past the Milwaukee Brewers yeah. when the, the nationals won the world series. I would have laughed you out of here. I didn't think they were going to get past the Dodgers. Exactly. Do the World Series and so many teams. You look at them, you're like, they weren't the best team, but they got hot. So baseball is is, is weird like that. I mean, it's I feel like more so with any sport, baseball like it's like the Giants when they won three out of five, they were never the best team in baseball. They just got hot and they had guys who've done it and been there before. So I don't know. I mean, you the the, the, the I want to say like it's going to be a Houston, but who knows? Maybe. Maybe Seattle somehow sneaks in and they got hot. You know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe Chicago somehow sneaks in their 500 now and they get hot and they, and they go on a run. Um, it's baseball is funny like that, which is why I love the game. It's it's been it's, it's absolutely bananas how um, unpredictable it can be at times. Yeah, it, it really is. And like the teams you mentioned, yeah, I, I I agree. But you know, to me, I like a little bit of chaos. Yeah, not a whole lot. But to me, I I kind of look at you know for, from the NL, it, it's it's very hard. Cause when I look at the Mets, I get it. But it's, to me, I don't know why I'm not. Even though they did what they did, I don't know why I'm not on board. Mm-hmm. Like if you ask me, well, why I'm not on board? Like I watch them play. You know, to me, I'm a huge Buck Showalter guy. You know, I think, you know, one of, you know, probably one of the more underrated managers of, of his generation. For sure. I, I don't think he gets enough credit for walking into a situation and then, like, it look, look what the Mets were at this point last year. Mm-hmm. And, and look where they are this year. You know, that's managing. When people say managing doesn't matter, it does when you have the right person at the helm. Because mm-hmm. and, and I think I look at the Mets, so I I, I do put the Mets in the conversation. Oh, obviously, sure. obviously the Dodgers, but but to me, like no, like the Astros to me are very interesting because to me, I 
to me, I, I don't want to, you know, they're one of the best teams in baseball. And to me, I go back to like Dusty Baker. To me, when, when I look at certain teams, no matter what sport, I, I, I look at three key things. I look at, well, who's at the helm of your team? How are you playing, you know, consistency wise? And more importantly, do I see flaws that are so significant that's going to hold you? Mm. And when I look at the Astros, it's like, yeah, the, you know, when I look at, like, like listen, Justin Verlander, when I look at certain guys, I go, like, Justin Verlander has zero business <laughs> doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Zero. That's that's some Nolan Ryan type stuff out there just, you know, being an old man out there just <laughs> making, it, making it look too easy. Mm-hmm. But but that but that's who Verlander is. That's what makes him. That's what makes him great. But when I look at other teams, or when I look at other teams around the league, it, it makes it tough because, to your point, being the best team in baseball does not mean you can win. Because I remember, and you recall too, when Seattle had the best record in baseball. <laughs> yeah, they won a hundred and I, I can't with hundred and nineteen. I can't remember the number of wins. Yeah, hundred and nineteen. And then we're like, oh, but they're going to go to the world, and I'm like. That's the trap mm-hmm. because people are like, oh, you know, I'm like, that's the trap because this is what I say about, you know, look at, look at the Jordan, look at those Bulls teams. They didn't always have the best record going into the playoffs. The mindset was if we can get the right seating, if we can be a one, you know, have home court advantage, essentially being a one, two, three, maybe fourth, if we can have an advantage, we're going to turn it up when the postseason comes. That's how baseball is. And I think, to me, it's about how hot you are and essentially, you know, your seating because mm-hmm. win, wins are important. I don't want to mitigate wins, but it's interesting when people say, well, like they're you know, the Seattle Manners were the, they were a great regular season team. They weren't a great postseason team. That's two separate, two separate beasts. Yeah. And yeah, the, the postseason is a whole nother level. Like it, it, it goes, it's, and some people can handle it, some people can't. It's just the way it's the way it goes. I mean, we see some really good pitchers in the postseason always kind of struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's just the way it is. It's it's, it's a mind mind game too, you know. Yeah, and, and to your point, like there are just some players that are just simply built for the postseason, which is why yeah. I don't work. Madison Bumgarner. Like yeah. I would want him pitching in a postseason, even this this year. Yeah. So you look what he did in fourteen. No, it would have been. Uh, yeah, fourteen. Pretty much won the World Series by himself. Like pitched mm-hmm. almost every game, and then came out of the bullpen to close it. Like he was just incredible. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty. It's there's some pitchers who just really and and hitters too. Like just really just take it to the next level. Yeah, and, and, and it's amazing to me where where you gotta kind of, you gotta kind of tell people that baseball is a different kind of a beast. Yeah, where some players are like. I don't want to bring up his name, but like I look at like Alex Rodriguez, like regular season guy, yeah, but regular season, but postseason A Rod, I he he went he went on vacation. Well, I guess he sent regular season A Rod on vacation and didn't bring post. Oh and, and people are like, oh well, Darren, like yeah, but here, it, 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 no matter the sport, and, and and going back to baseball, when I look at teams who I think are going to be great. Yeah, it's the same four or five teams because experience. Yeah. Like I, I, I hate to be the guy to tell you, but like experience matters. And oh, as, as and as much as like Toronto, 
Toronto is a very sexy pick, but where's the where's the experience going to come from? You know, there are certain teams like who like I look at the Tampa Bay Rays. And, you know, I like what they're doing, but it, it boils down to experience because, like, like until your point, getting hot. But I think experience takes over because of the fact that it becomes a different, like I said, it's just a different beast. Like, you know, I remember like postseason pitchers, like I like Kurt Schilling. Yeah. You know, it, you know, like regular season Kurt Schilling, yeah, he'll go 13 and 13, you know, three point something area. Okay, good. But you give the ball to Kurt Schilling in the divisionals, you, <laughs> you give it to him in game seven. I don't care if it's the ALCS, the AL, I don't care when you give him the ball. Yeah. He was going to give you seven good innings, possibly eight. Keep keep whatever team in it. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's why I always make the argument. Like I get, you know, I want to get sidetracked, but like I get where why people may not look at him that way. But I think the postseason should kind of weigh heavily because oh, I, I sure. can make a I, I can make a case where, like, if we look at Mariana Rivera, easily the best closer ever to ever step foot on the rubber. Go look at his postseason numbers. There was nobody you couldn't. I don't care who the who the hitter was. You knew Mariano was getting the ball in the ninth. Yankees were up two to one, three to two. Yeah, I'll take the Yankees. And and the only outlier, of course, was when was with the D backs. That was the only real outlier in his whole career. And and it's amazing to me when people talk. I was like, listen, some player. The overriding point is some players are just built for the postseason. So when I look at certain teams. I look at the Yankees. I look at like I look at the Mets. I look at the Mets solely because Buck Showalter has that team in, in that mindset. Because there are players on the team who have the experience and some who simply don't. And I think Buck is the type of manager who's been there, done that, can get them there to the postseason. And yes, am I that happy about their offense? You know, at that point, no. But this is where I say. Where the postseason happens, but Buck will get him there. Mm-hmm. Like just same thing with Dusty for the for the Astros. Like you have to put those teams at the, at the top of your list because at the end of the day, when people say, "Well, the manager position, it's important because you need that experience at every at every aspect of your team whenever possible." For sure. Because, it, because at the end of the day, but if you ask me for, but if you if you sit me down, tie me down, force me in front of a big television. It make me choose, like two teams I like. There's two teams I like from each, like strong enough. I just I like the Dodgers. I, I I look at the Dodgers and I just simply go, like Clayton Kershaw, like Clayton Kershaw is a Hall of Famer, but you know, but it just feels different with Kershaw this year. It feels super different. It, it feels like this Clayton Kershaw, if Clayton Kershaw can get it. Listen, in, in a seven, in a, I always say when you put in a seven-game series, there's a good chance you're going to see Clayton Kershaw possibly twice. Well, I, I don't even know this year. I mean, there's, there's, he, he at, at this point in his career, I don't think they they probably give the ball to. Uh, oh man, my mind's going blank right now. I mean, but you never know. I mean, he's he like he's yeah. a, you you trust him, and there's always been that rap where he's not that the best in the postseason. But I mean, I I feel like. Um, even that's overblown. Like he's had really good seasons, and especially in the postseason, um, it's 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 
you, you got to feel confident though putting the ball in his hand because I mean he has that that experience and to your point again experience definitely uh, plays a factor and yeah and, and I think I think once the postseason gets closer I, I I may I might just have to invite myself back on your show yeah and, uh, <laughs> we'll do like a, a baseball prediction maybe or something yeah because I think we're just talking about teams we like. Oh, for sure. No, yeah, yeah because yeah, because yeah, like I'm to just, your point, like like I'm, like, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have you, I'm gonna have you back on. Obviously, <laughs> that's that's not that's not even a question. It's a matter of if it's a matter of when to get you back on, because because the thing is, before we wrap it up, I think one of the important things to talk about is when I look at certain teams, is where, to me, are you, like, and this is why the trade deadline is important. Because if you can find that one piece, and we've seen oh, in years yeah. past where team made a got the got the bat they needed, the arm they needed, and they win. And and I I stress this to teams: this is that experience. Experience does matter. I that that's not going to change in, in my my estimation. But I think it's all about how you see your roster. And being honest, and this is important, being honest about what you need. Because I do feel sometimes, I don't know if you agree, some teams, even maybe some fans, I won't call out fan bases, <laughs> will say that we have the perfect team. And then in reality, you're missing that, you're missing a bat. You're you're missing someone in that four hole, that three hole. You you're missing that big bat in a team where you could have solid bats. But you need a bat, and at some point you're missing something on the back end of either the, the back end of your rotation. Because if you don't have the front of your ta- rotation figured out, I don't want to hear about you talking about the World Series. Talk, yeah. talk about 2023. Don't don't talk about don't talk about. Oh well, <laughs> you know if you yeah. you know if you need like a something on the back end of your rotation, another four or five guy, or something you know on the back end of your bullpen. Like you have to be honest about what you need. And I think the teams who go into the mindset saying. This is what we need to get mm-hmm. better. Those are the teams. When I look at, like, even those Giants teams that won the World Series, they were honest about what they needed. Were, were they the best team? No. But they knew who to go get to fit what they have to do. Mm-hmm. Like, could I mean, they the, have gotten- the Braves are a good example. That half their offense in the, in, the, in the postseason was trade deadline acquisition. Yeah. Peterson, yeah. Um, Mar, uh, Marcelo, not Marcelo, uh, who else are they? they uh, I can't even remember off the top. Of it's it's late. My my brain's fried. But I mean, half half of their offense, like they pretty much. I think their whole outfield they pretty much traded for, mm-hmm. and they were right around five hundred. And then they got hot. So, and I, I I'm actually kind of uh, not to go off topic or kind of on topic. But like when it comes to the, like, like we talk about trading people, the prospects for players, um, that's that's a good example for teams like moving forward. Like you don't have to be. You know, like just go for it if you're close enough, right? And the Braves were a lot of the Braves fans were thinking, okay, 2023. You know, Acuna gets hurt next year. We'll kind of make a run. Mm-hmm. Their front office is like, we'll just make a run now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then they win a World Series. Like that's incredible. Just the fact that they were able to do that in in and of itself. Um, and like, yeah, the trade deadline's coming up. I can't wait to see the moves that are going to be made. It's going to be shifting. Like the whole race is going to shift. Uh, just based on these these moves here, um, and every team that's won the World Series for the most part, they've picked up somebody at the trade deadline. Uh, it's just it's just the way it is. And I I wrote man, I used to have a blog last year, and I, I wrote about this because it was I can't remember what it is, but there was so I listed a bunch of teams every season who 
from the last maybe 10 years who made a big trade or a small trade and ended up being so big. You talk about the Giants. I think that Jake Peavy was the one they picked up and then they ended up he ended up pitching a pivotal game or something. And mm-hmm. it's just the way it is that you good teams. They can always improve. Um, it's just it's. It's just the way that it's going to be. But I, I, I do want to I want I want to talk to you about something before I sure. go. Um, we, we were kind of talking about minors and all that. And I wanted to kind of uh, talk about my podcast. Sure, um, go ahead. Let me, you know, self, self, same with self-promotion here. Go right ahead. Uh, I'll take a drink of water. Yeah. Go right ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. So my, my, my podcast, I, I, like I told you, I focus a lot on the minor leaguers, right? And I've had some big leaguers on. I've had former major leaguers on and. Um, I, when I first met you, I was focused mostly on the Brewers and I was a Brewers podcast, but around like November of last year, I shifted, uh, to strictly just interview style podcasts. And I've, I've had these guys on and, um, I've had high draft picks, um, low draft picks, unsigned players who were drafted at assigned as undrafted free agents or not. Um, and I, I've been able to get conversations and talk to them about their experiences, uh, playing in, in the minors. So, and I, and I talk for to to players um, for every team. Like uh, today, I just dropped my my latest uh, episode, and it was a player in the uh, the Blue Jays organization. Uh, I talked to guys in the Mets organization. Uh, a lot of the Rays, actually. Like, low key, I might be a sneaky Rays podcast right now. <laughs> See, I've been talking to a lot of guys in the Rays system. Uh, and tomorrow, I'm actually interviewing another guy in the Rays system. So I guess that I may be I'm, I may just call myself a Rays guy now. I don't know, yeah. but. Uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But uh, uh, not too long ago, Rob Manfred had mentioned that minor leaguers, in his opinion, which I can care less about, but yeah. in his opinion, he said minor leaguers are getting a livable wage. Yeah. Uh, oh is, man, yeah. I, I went just, on Twitter on that. I, yeah. I yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And like, I mean, I'm out here fighting the fight. You know, <laughs> uh, we're out here just grinding, trying to get these guys a, liv- a livable wage, right? So. Yeah. Uh, if you think about that and like I've talked to guys who during the offseason, like uh, they're construction workers, they do Uber. They uh, one guy did uh, was a teacher, a substitute teacher. And he you know, that's kind of what he went to school for. So now he in the offseason, a really good job because he can kind of pick his own days where he works and whatnot. Uh, some guy did like uh, furniture building. And it's just a wide variety of things that they're doing. And they're doing all these jobs because they're not getting paid a livable wage. Uh, and, and during the offseason, if they want to um, continue to train, the baseball their team isn't going to pay them to train. Um, they're going to have to, you know, use my, their own money. Uh, so it's just I, I kind of wanted to just kind of highlight that kind of on yeah. you, your listeners, like um, you know, some of the struggles that that minor leaguers are going to. And and there's some really good people out there. There's adopt the minor leaguer. Um, you can I don't know if you follow him on Twitter or socials or anything, but he he has a nonprofit where he has uh, people who sponsor minor leaguers and they pay him a little bit of money throughout the month, which is incredible. Uh, more than baseball, which my podcast is part of more than baseball. They're another nonprofit uh, and they're out there, you know, fighting the good fight to get uh, minor leaguers livable wages. Um, they were key um, when it came to them and advocates for minor leaguers. They were very key in like the the housing situation before. Um, this is kind of funny. Um, Draymond Green had had tweeted out um, last, and eh, maybe like uh, November or something. He had tweeted out like, "Oh man, we just got off a back to back game. Like this is so bad. Like how? Why are we doing back to back games?" And then a gentleman named by the name of Cade McClure, he's with the he's a really good player uh, in the uh, uh, White Sox organization. 
he he retweeted and said, "Hey, try being a minor leaguer, driving you know eight hours, waking up in the middle of nowhere, and, and having to play back to back games." So, and then I had him on my podcast, and we were kind of talking about that. So it's, it's just kind of funny how um, Draymond kind of got involved somehow. But and that that tweet in of itself blew up. Like if you just search Draymond or Draymond Green minor leaguers, it'll probably pop up somewhere. But uh, yeah, anyway, so I just wanted like for those who are listening, like he doesn't you don't have to be a fan of a specific team. Like I interview and I, the guys I talk to, like I always ask them the minor league stories and like I'll, <laughs> a couple funny ones. Like there's there's a, a, a guy who who uh, his bus broke down. The team's bus broke down in the middle of Indiana. Nothing but corn, corn, cornfields everywhere. No, nowhere to get food. And they were there probably all night. Like it, 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 it was hours. So they had an Uber Eats, and the only thing available was Taco Bell. So these guys had like Uber eating, were Uber eating Taco Bell, and there's like five or six cars showing up, you know, delivering Taco Bell. That's the only thing available. Yeah. Um, and then that bus ended up breaking down after they fixed it, so they all had to cram into one bus. Um, and so like it was, it's just kind of funny these stories that you hear. Uh, one guy told me that um, there was like a big fight between the fans and the players, and just it's just kind of it's just kind of humorous sometimes, but then sometimes it's kind of sad. But uh, anyway, so all that just to kind of just for those who are listening, you know, if you're you haven't really thought too much of the minor leagues, um, like pay more attention to like your local minor team, whoever they may be, and just kind of support them for sure. Because, I mean, they're out there trying to live their dream, getting paid pennies um, while major league clubs are doing whatever they can to not pay them, which is weird because you would think they want to pay their players you know yeah. whatever it may be it's just just yeah. neither here nor there but I, w- I wanted to drop that again like my podcast not to sh- you know sh- uh, shamelessly promote it but yeah definitely give it a listen um i always have a really good it's probably one of the most electric minor league podcasts out there like it's it's more of an off the field podcast like i don't really talk about stats and stuff but we just kind of show the human side of these guys which is in my opinion pretty sweet and, and like I say, every time you're on, you promote it. And every time I, I listen, because to me, and, and and the thing is, I when I saw Rob Manfred say this, and, and, and I, I won't go to attention because we're hit, we're, we're hit. I don't want to hit the two-hour mark. But what I will say is this, and I said it in my tweet, and I'll say it now. It was a very, I think I said something to the degree where it's 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 an out of out of touch very much out of touch because how can you sit there with a the straightest of faces someone if someone corrected me and said he makes i said he makes 11 he makes 17 i it doesn't matter how much he makes, he makes okay. a lot of money like for someone who makes who's literally in the upper echelon of tax brackets of course he's going to say that but here's the the, the biggest problem with what he said is the fact that he doesn't see a problem because uh, he doesn't see a problem with it because he's never had to make that sort of money in his life. He doesn't he's see the a, problem because he is the problem. Right. He and, and that too is that he doesn't see it's like how can you sit there and say you're making 17 million a year and you're not and you're okay with essentially the future of your league which is which is the minor leagues essentially is. Mm-hmm. You're okay with these players having to get Second jobs, heck, some of them even get third jobs. Yeah, just to make a living wage. And to me, what it makes it insensitive because, to your point, I think he he doesn't care. And I, I think to the greater point, 
is is that he he doesn't hear himself. It's like he he just he he just puts it out there, he espouses it, and he he doesn't hear it. And, and it's amazing to me. It, it, when I saw the tweet, I just said, I said "Sir, you have people out there." I, I think I, I should have put it in the tweet because now I think but you have people working, you know, uh, jobs who are essentially are figuring it out, not check, you know, not paycheck by paycheck. We're talking day by day. And you have the nerve to sit up there and say, when you're asked a question, you're the commissioner of Major League Baseball. And someone asked you a legitimate journalistic question. Mm hmm about your thoughts on minor leaguers and their pay. And they even, I believe they, I, I forget her name, but she told you how much they were essentially making. Mm -hmm. And you still gave the answer that you gave. Yeah. And it's just another reason why I've always said, like, look, we can complain about Bud Selig all day. We surely can. Uh, I miss him right about now, though. Yeah. We can complain about that dude all day, but listen. Rob Manfred steps in. This is what we get. This is we get a guy, and this is not the first time. This is not a one-off thing. We can mm -hmm. argue how how the negotiations were handled to get baseball. We can oh, argue yeah. a slew of things that this man has done. But to me, to sit there and say what you said about minor leaguers, the future of your the future of your sport, mm -hmm. to go on record, it's on record. To say, well, uh, I don't see a problem because you're not struggling. Because a lot of these minor leaguers, they're they don't. How can I phrase this? It's not like it's the one league. With, like even we look at basketball, they have like the G League or the whatever it's called now, but they're uh, getting paid uh, a, 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 a handsome amount of money. Even playing in essentially the maybe the Ignite League, I believe it's called. But they're getting paid good money. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about baseball, it's once again in the news for, for being slighted. And then to sit there and say that what you said, and then you don't see the problem with what you said, which is worse. Mm -hmm. It's tone deaf. Yeah. To what They have families. We're talking, they have to figure out make decisions like some Americans have to do every day. But the difference is they're out there struggling. And and when you say, well, you're a minor leaguer, people think, oh, well, you're, no. It's like e even football players who are making, who are sitting on the bench making more than some minor league players. Oh, yeah. That's sitting in, they're, they're essentially sitting in in these quarterback rooms, receiver rooms, knowing that, well, it takes two or three guys in to maybe, you know, they they may they maybe play three games in a seventeen game season, but they're making more than minor leaguers, and that to me, what makes it tone deaf, and something structurally has to change because you would think, and I'll say this part definitely because I don't want to, <laughs> is that you would think the owners, you would think that it's a no brainer. I and, and, and you know I said this in the tweet, I'm not saying to make a millionaires. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that give them more what they're getting now. Yeah. Because no one's asking them to be 
millionaire, they just want a living wage. They want mm-hmm. something that things that you and I, other people, and sometimes maybe and sometimes it's hard to get a living wage that way. But the thing is, is that they're struggling. And it's visible, but yet you choose to, to have the authority that you have, and you could have the cojones and do something, and you essentially don't, because what you're saying is that I understand the owners are your, I get it. I, I don't want to hear people say, oh, well, stop it. Yeah. Well, he works for the owners. That's that's the way it is. And they love him because he's making them a lot of money. Exactly. Because that's, that's not going to change anytime soon. Yeah. And, and the reality is they're going to give him another 10-year billion-dollar deal because they think he's great. And it's like, like this is what I say. And I'll say this. People can complain about Goodell. People complain about Adam Silver. Listen, look at how basketball changed. They're treating their players a heck of a lot better. <laughs> and people are like, oh, well, listen, you can say Adam Silver's this. Adam, Adam Silver's does something where a commissioner should do and maybe do. He listens to the players because he understands that while the owners pay him, they they don't come to I, they don't come to see a seventy year old guy in a suit going out there shooting jumpers. All right, he understands that. And I say at the end of the day, I just think it's just it was just very tone deaf on Manfred. And I understand with the owners, but at the end mm-hmm. of the day, and I really say this again: when Manfred understands it, and like to your point. He, he should be gone. Heck, I, I, I want him gone next year. But the reality is, at some point, he has to understand that you have you have to get these owners to do something. You're not you're not asking the owner to give up. Hey, give up. You know, give up your this, this, and that. But understand what a living wage is mm-hmm. before you talk about. A living wage being okay, yeah. It, it's called a dictionary. I, I'll, I'll leave it there. <laughs> but, but before we go, you can listen to yeah. this episode and every episode of the Sports in the World podcast, wherever you get your podcast, and check out my the amazing Francisco and plug your plug the podcast one more time because I forgot to talk because I got angry about Manfred and that's his fault. So, oh yeah, no, oh I, I blame Manfred for anything that goes wrong in my life, no matter what it is. But uh, yeah, no, the, the walk off. It's it's the walk off with Francisco, and it's like I said, it's interviews with minor leaguers and uh, baseball players in general. It's not specifically minor leaguers, but I kind of focus on them because that's kind of the my the people I've been most dealing with nowadays. Um, yeah, I mean, you can find me anywhere you anywhere you find your podcast. So definitely check it out. Uh, we're on YouTube too, uh, so definitely look that up. And uh, if you want to listen on YouTube. Or if you don't want to watch the the people who I talk to, um, yeah, definitely check it out. I appreciate that, and I always I always appreciate you letting me on the on your pod, Ladarius. And it's it's uh, like I said, I'm gonna have to invite myself back on uh, once the postseason starts heading over here in the next month or two. It's just, the season's already ha- more than halfway over, man. So we got like what seventy something games left. It's just insane yeah. how fast the season's going. But yeah, yeah, man, I, I always appreciate talking sports with you. So yeah, definitely, thank you. Yeah, you're always like I said, you're always great. Always come on here. So appreciative of your time. Yeah. Even let me do let me do my rant on Manfred, which it's it's every podcast I always have to tell the guest, like I may go on a rant and and it's not to steal the shine from but it's certain like trigger points and, and, yeah. and Manfred's in. But 
Anyway, folks, thank you for listening to this episode of Sports of the World Podcast. And until you see and hear me again, I'm Ladarius. Be real, be you, be blessed, and be safe from all of us here from the Sports and the World Podcast.